Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Thankful. Thankful for each and every one of you. Thanks for being here. Um, This is going to be week two of a series of talks that we are calling, Can You Believe We Get to Do This? Can you believe we get to do this? And last week, if, if you missed it, I, I do want to encourage you. I, I never do this, but I do want to encourage you, if you did miss last week, to take some time and go listen to the podcast because we got to break into some really amazing things that God has in store for us in these next couple of weeks. And it's going to take all of us to really believe together to see it become all that it's going to be, but what we really leaned into, not just the announcement about moving into this new facility, which is in our neighborhood, but it's like a significant facility upgrade, but it allows us to keep doing what we're doing in this area of town, and we're just so excited about it. It's not just about that. What we really talked about was the power of understanding that we have a privilege to be the voice calling out in the desert. That maybe you're in a desert season, not just simply so God wants you to endure it. Maybe you're in a desert season right now because God has given you a privilege to be the voice declaring in that wilderness, God is coming. That there's a privilege of preparation. That you might find yourself in what feels like a deep freeze in your heart. But you can say with confidence, God is Coming, that there's this preparation that happens in the tough seasons that we're in that prepare the way for what God wants to do after them. Amen. And so as we kind of leaned into this, we were like, wow, can you believe we get to be the voice of declaration? Like, can you believe we get to do this, that we get to go before, that we get to prepare the way, that we get to look at tough situations and say, wow, this is hard. But guess what? God is coming. Can you believe we get to be the voice of declaration? And this week, we want to take another step in that journey. And we want to talk about another, can you believe we get to do this opportunity by looking at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. If you have a Bible, I want you to make your way there. If you don't, don't stress out about it. If you need one, we have some to give you. It's also going to be on the screen. You can use your phone. Send a couple text messages. Follow me on Instagram. Acts 3, starting in verse 1, are you ready? Two people, are you ready? One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John... About to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him By the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly 
the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I want us to look one more time at verse 6. It says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What I do have I give you. Have you felt the draw to what you don't have? Have you felt that kind of gravitational pull to what you don't have? Maybe what you feel like you need to have. Have you felt that draw, that distraction, and that at times obsession with what you don't have? For me growing up, my best friend was named Neil Anderson. Some of you guys have heard me talk about Neil. Neil was the coolest human being and still kind of is I've ever met. He was just one of those guys that had it, right? You know people like that? They just have it. It's like everything they do, it just looks cool, sounds cool, they are cool, they say things that are stupid, but somehow it works for them and they're cool, right? And growing up being Neil's best friend, I realized very quickly that all that he had, I did not have. I didn't have it, right? I didn't, I I would say things and people would laugh at me, not with me. And, And so I started chasing what I felt like he had that I did not have. And so my solution was to try to become like Neil. It's really challenging when you're short and fat and Neil is tall and skinny, all right? Now, here's the deal. It gets even better through these photos because I would try to dress like Neil. Neil would wear stuff, and I would try to wear his clothes and dress like him and look like him, and it would just be tragic. Like, it didn't work at all. And it kind of hit an all-time high when Neil showed up at church one Sunday morning with the coolest haircut I had ever seen. Now, Neil had straight hair, it was long at the time, and he did like an undercut, right? This was the early 2000s, holla at your boy. And so this is like an undercut, and it looked super cool, and, you know, it just, it laid down. I was just like, wow, bro, next level. That is amazing. Now, my hair was not straight. My hair was nappy. Some of y'all sometimes ask me if I mind being bald. No, because my hair is bad. So this is like, it makes it easy on me. Not having hair, I don't have to deal with the horrible hair I was given. But I saw Neil's haircut. I'm like, you know what? I bet if I cut my hair like that, then I'll have what he has. Now, if you have curly, nappy hair and you do an undercut, your hair does not lay down like Neil's. Your hair goes out like Bozo the Clown. But when it's wet, it looks fire. It looks straight. And so I wet my hair, do the undercut. You know, of course, it's like me and my brother doing it together. Do the undercut. And like, while my hair is wet, I'm like, I have it. I'm walking around the house with so much swagger. And then my hair dried. And it was the worst haircut I've ever had in my entire life. I looked 
so ridiculous, no one even took a photo of me. Like when I asked for old photos from my parents, they couldn't even find one of that haircut because it was just like blocked from the history of my life. It was that bad. Have you ever felt how exhausting it is to try to become something you were never created to be? Have you felt the emotional drain of trying to grind your way into something that you don't have? It's exhausting. It'll wear you out. It leads to frustration. It leads to disappointment. When you try to give something that you don't have, when you try to do something that is outside of what you're made to do, it will wear you out and crush you down. But we obsess about what we don't have, leading us to chase as if what we have can't take us to where we're called to be. So the question for us is, and the title of my talk this morning is, what do you have? What do you have? You know, what's amazing about asking this question in light of the story we read in Acts 3 is that Peter and John were asked for things they did not have. They were asked for silver and gold. They were asked for money. Now, it shows something about who they were and how they thought their mindset because when they were asked for what they did not have, it was not the end of the story. How many of you have been asked for something you didn't have, right? How many of you have been asked for money, right? And when you don't have it, you say, I don't have money, right? I don't have what you're asking for. Their response demonstrates a different mindset for us, a kingdom principle for us, that it's not about what we, what we need, it's about what we have. Peter and John did not have what they needed but they did have what God had given them. I wonder how many amazing breakthroughs God has on the back end of us just giving what we have. I wonder how many supernatural, amazing, mind-bending things that he has in store for us to be in the middle of when we don't, when we don't live from the limits of what we don't have. But we begin to invest what we do have. What do you have? I mean, our vision for this church is that we would be a city-transforming church. That literally God would do such an amazing work in each and every one of us that the kingdom of heaven could not help but rush out of each and every one of us. That we would literally birth earth-shattering entrepreneurial ideas because that's what God wants to do. He wants to transform the economy with people stepping up and saying, I'm going to do it God's way. That's the church being the church. I believe God wants to give political strategies to some of you guys that are going to teach you how to be bridge builders and not grenade launchers. I believe God wants to birth a strategy on how we're going to change our educational system through the church. I believe the church being everything it's called to be is the solution for every situation we have in our city. We are the light of the world. We're the hope of our city. And so the church has to come alive in all that we're created to be. 
But we cannot be all that we're created to be unless we each bring what we have. And you can listen to that vision and say, that'll never happen, J.D. That is too big. That is absolutely ridiculous to think that our little church is going to change the city. It is, but we don't have to wait for the influence that's going to make that happen. We don't have to wait for the resources that are going to make that. All we have to do, each one of us, is just, this is what I have. You know, Paul talked about the church through the lens of the human body. And, and, and he said in 1 Corinthians, actually, you know what? I'm going to get there in a minute. I'm going to get there in a minute. When, when we give what we have, it makes a way for God to provide more than what we need. Can I say that one more time? When we each give what we have, it makes a way for God to do and provide more than what we need. Peter and John had seen Jesus demonstrate this kingdom principle time and time again so that when they were approached with a need that they practically couldn't solve, it didn't stop them from bringing what they had. Right? It demonstrates that they were not living from a scarcity mindset. Scarcity leads you to believe that we never have enough. When we live from a place of scarcity, we become stingy. We become hard to know. We have a very high wall, calloused heart. Why? Because you think that what you have is subject that you're going to lose and that there's not enough for you to get it back. The scarcity mindset robs you of the ability to think past tomorrow. The scarcity mindset is fueled by small thinking because why would you think big if you're not going to have what you need to see it happen? I believe that the biggest opposition to your vision coming alive in your life is believing the lie that there is not enough for you to see happen what God has called you to do. The attack on your vision is simply a scarcity mindset leading you to believe that there's not enough for you. That will halt your ability to dream. That will shut down your ability to hope. Because you begin to believe this subtle but detrimental lie that there's not enough. Therefore, I have to protect what I have. I tell you, church, that's not how we're supposed to live. Jesus demonstrated for us this spiritual principle with a practical miracle in Matthew 14, starting in verse 13. This story is called the feeding of the 5,000. How many of you grew up in church? How many of you have heard this story before? I believe there's some principles for us here that are way beyond loaves and fish. Are you ready? Here we go, starting in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. How many of you were here a couple of weeks ago? And remember that healthy rhythms sustain momentum. Throwback, listen to the podcast. Here, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. And when Jesus landed and saw the, saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, 
They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Do you hear it? Do you hear that? We only have five loaves of bread and, and two. That's, that's the limit of scarcity thinking. We can't do that. We, we can't do what you've asked us to do. This is too big. We only have this. How in the world can we do that if we only have this? And Jesus says this, bring them here to me. Bring me what you have. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he uh, told the disciples to go and give them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And there were, and there were pieces, I'm sorry. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Probably about 10,000 people at least because people have babies. 10,000 people probably were fed miraculously because the disciples did what? They brought what they had. God didn't ask them to bring more than what they had. God said, bring me what you have. What do you have? What do you have that you can contribute, that you can invest, that you can give? Maybe you feel like you're being asked to give things that you don't have. It. Maybe you need to lean into Peter and John and say, man, but there is something that I do have. You know what scarcity does? It begins to tell you you don't have anything. You, you start thinking small, then you stop thinking at all. This would be a rapper. Right? Like, limited thinking will begin to tell you that you don't have anything to contribute. Right? Because, look, scarcity mindsets lead to entitled people. And entitled people look at their circumstances and begin to blame everyone and everything for why they are where they are. When God just said, just bring what you have, and I'll provide more than what you need. What do you have? What do you have? Never underestimate what God can do with what you have. Never underestimate what God can do with what you have. Jesus is showing his disciples and us that we live not from what we need, but we live from a confidence of what we have. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So, if God meets all of our needs, and Jesus wants us to live from the confidence of what we have, then... We have all that we need right now. Come on, that is good news. Like that, that should make some, a praise break, break want to rise up in your soul. When you begin to realize, I have everything that I need to do all that God has created me to do right now. I'm not waiting to see it happen. 
I'm investing what I have and believing that God is going to turn it into more than what I need. This is called living from an abundant mindset. When we truly, in the core of who we are, believe the best is yet to come. That, that like, I can freely give away what I have because there's more where it came from. I, I can live generously and open-hearted and open-handed and thankful for where I am because I know with confidence that me just giving what I have is going to lead to God providing more than what I even need. It's transformative because all of a sudden we begin to see limits as opportunity. Come on, somebody. The thing that you think is slowing you down becomes your on-ramp. Oh, y'all ain't even ready. The, the thing that you think is slowing, the thing you think is stopping your vision. The, the thing that is, is keeping you from saying, I can't start that business. I, I can't start that ministry. I can't help out with youth. I can't serve on the, on the worship team because of that I need this. I, I'm not this. I don't have the, the very thing that is shutting you down from walking into the fullness of what God has created you to do. That very thing is an on-ramp for you becoming all that God has created you to be because it's about bringing what you have. Peter and John were convinced because they had seen Jesus turn bread into more bread, into more bread, into fish, and all kinds of extra leftovers when they just brought what they had. So when this man asked them for what they didn't have, they said, look, I don't have that, but let me tell you what I do have. And they prayed for him with confidence that God would take their faith and he would multiply it into all that that man needed. So when they stepped out and they said, you know what? Look, we don't have silver and gold, but what we do have, I'm going to freely give to you. And check it out. Everybody was affected by it. It says that all people, all people were in awe and wonder at what God had done. Do you know that when we simply invest what we have it sets the tone. It builds a foundation for supernatural miracles to happen through your life. If you want the supernatural to break out in your life, give what you have. You want miracles to follow you around? Give what you have. Look for opportunities to invest what you have. Don't buy the lie of the limits of what you need. I tell you, man, there is so much life and understanding that God is not asking us for anything that we don't have. And this is why we create opportunities for us to want to serve in church. Because as I mentioned earlier, Paul describes the church in 1 Corinthians as a body. It's like this beautiful illustration that each of us simply just bringing what we have makes us all that we're created to be. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start in verse 12. It says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, 
Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make no, I'm sorry, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. Jump down with me to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles and prophets and teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. What this is saying is we will never become all that we're created to be. We will never have the impact that we're called to have. We'll never see the glory of God come through us in ways that we can more than ask or imagine unless each one of us corporately give what we have personally. Come on. Thank you, baby. We'll never become all that we're called to be corporately unless each one of us give what we have personally. It's not about giving outside of what you have to give. Come on, that's how you burn out. When you try to give outside of what you have to give, thinking that giving more is going to put you in a better position with God. That's called getting stressed out and burned out. Because grinding yourself into what you're not drains you. But when each of us give what we have, come on somebody, when we each give what we have, we become the full picture of who God has called us to be right now. That means that in this room, we have everything that we need to become the city-transforming, earth-shattering, worship-anthem-creating, dynamic kids experience salvation explosions, the best youth ministry that anyone's ever seen, the most dynamic encounters with God anybody's ever heard of, is here right now. Now, we're, we're not waiting for it. We're walking into it. Come on. We're not waiting for something to happen like, oh, we switched over. Now we are all that we're called to be. No, it's each one of us just simply giving what we have. You might be like, Griff, I can't work with kids. I'll kill them. I'll be like, cool, I understand. I don't want you to kill them. But can you hang a banner? Yeah, I can hang a banner. Give what you have. I can't sing. I can't sing. But I love worship. Well, can you tape chords? Give what you have. Every single person, give it. Look, we, we give opportunities to serve, not because we need you. Right? I mean, God has blessed us phenomenally with people to be able to do jobs. We're not trying to get you to do stuff. We want this church to be all that it's called to be. And the biblical promise is that all of us have to give what we have. 
So the opportunity is not just for your heart to come alive, but it's for the full expression of what God wants to do in us corporately to come alive. Because without you giving what you have, we are not a full body. We're walking around without an arm looking foolish. We can't even get around without a leg. Our ankles don't work. We need you to give what you have. Not because of what we need. We have what we need. Come on, we live in an abundance mindset here in Antioch. I hope you feel that. We don't need anything. We have everything that we can even ask or hope for. Imagine we give you an opportunity to become all that God's created you to become as you give what you have. Just give what you have. No more, no less, just what you have. Because I'm convinced that there is a supernatural miracle on the back end of us just showing up with what we have. Not walking past things thinking we don't have what we need to solve that problem but saying, you know what, but we do have this. And each one of us giving what we have daily means that we become a church alive in our city daily. That means that we're walking by people just like Peter and John walked by that guy, going into church, being like, man, we're just about to go worship. Somebody's bothering them saying, man, give me some money. And they're like, look, dude, I don't have any money. I work for, I'm a pastor. I don't have any money. And he's like, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And that broke out revival in that man's life and in the entire city. How many of you are ready for us to walk out and all people are filled with wonder? All people are filled with expectation that God is, can you believe we get to give what we have? Come on, can you stand to your feet? Can you believe we get to give what we have? If you're excited about not stressing out about what you don't have, about not living in the limits of what you don't have, but you are excited to give simply what you do have. Give God the loudest, most extravagant praise you've ever given him. Come on.